Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend, at least so far today, my friend and my co-host and the expert of the two of us is Bruce Aldrich. And today from London, we are talking to a prolific author, uh, Russell Hayes. And he's written many books in, about in the automotive space, but this is his second book, I believe, and it's called Beetles and Buses. Is that correct, Bruce? I have You have it written down in the notes? That's what I have. Okay, great. Uh, Russell, thank you for being available. Welcome to our podcast. We, we appreciate your time today, sir. Hello. Yeah. Well, I guess a good launching point would be um, you've written a lot of books uh, through the years. Uh, you obviously have an expertise in the automotive world. What is your fascination now with your second book uh, with regard to Volkswagens, whether it's the Beetle or the bus? Tell us um, your background with that. Yeah, it's, it's actually my, my second Volkswagen book and uh, my seventh book overall. Yes. Um, I was really, really pleased to be asked to, to do this book because the, the Beetle and the, and the bus are such a, still such a great subject. They had such a history. And I hope I've managed to add something new to it. Um, it's the anniversaries this year are the um, 75 years since the first Beatles came off the line and 70 years since the first um, bus or, you know, has all these different names. I call it the transporter here or the type two. Uh, and so that's a good launching point. And I, I was able to go through the design history of the of both vehicles, which is fascinating in itself. Yes. And also the way that they, 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 they changed their meaning and they changed their, their, um, uh, their position in different countries that they went to, how they spread across the world and how people regarded them differently in different countries and how the design evolved in the way it did so slowly, but so painstakingly um, every year with these small changes. Yes. Um, how the factory was set up and how it was like a model for German Germany rebuilding itself after the war. And also, I've, hopefully, I've tried to look at it culturally, how it was seen in films and, and, and art uh, and um, how it transposed itself into things like dune buggies and, and the Cal look uh, customized VWs. And also where the the legacy lies because they had such a, a long production life both vehicles uh the uh, you know the original air cooled beetle was made till 2003 and the and the and the bus was made uh, until 2013 it's not been gone that long from, yes. from production in um in brazil uh and and I've also tried to look at what the legacy was, and it's it's been interesting to see, from my point of view, that the that the Beetle has kind of um, fallen behind the the bus. The bus has a, a more powerful image than the Beetle now because it's seen as this expression of freedom and of, of travel, and and it it's really interesting that Volkswagen have chosen to kind of reinvent it as this electric electric bus that we've got coming up in a couple of years yeah. i've seen pictures of that new bus it it does uh harken back to the original i grew up in a uh, yeah. in a vw uh family so we had bugs and uh and a couple of transporters we called them uh 
combis, I think, back then. Uh, yeah. It's another name yeah. for them. Anyway, uh, in fact, I still have uh, my the, my dad's 59 bug. I still have it. So I'm still a, a bug person. So, yeah, I'm kind of interested in all the old history. Maybe you could start with uh, Ferdinand and Ferry Porsche and when did it start and what was their idea? What was the purpose of the vehicle? Well, there'd been this there'd been this idea in Germany in the 1920s that there really wasn't a car for um, the average working person at all. And of course, in the 1920s, Germany was going through this period of, of, of you know great difficulty and poverty anyway. Um, and um, there was a genuine desire for a people's car, uh, a Volks Auto, and that's where the name Volkswagen eventually came from. Volk meaning of the people. Uh, and um, there were various attempts at, at prototypes made, usually from um, motorcycle manufacturers trying to get into the car business. And um, Ferdinand Porsche, who'd set up his design consultancy in the uh, early 1930s, uh, was involved in, in a couple of early prototypes of rear-engined rear cars with air-cooled engines, uh, I believe from memory from the, the Zundap and the NSU. Uh, and um, they both couldn't go ahead because the motorcycle manufacturers had no money and stacked to bikes. But of course, the um, Adolf Hitler's regime um, was very keen on the idea of motorizing the German public on the new autobahns. So, you know, put all their resources behind um, Ferdinand Porsche's design. Uh, which eventually evolved into the Beetle um, in, in the late 1930s. Isn't it a, a strange thing, going back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, that, you know, of the people or for the people and the Hitler regime, but then, you know, Woodstock going fast forward. So you have of the people back in the 30s in a, in a strange way, and then you have the wonderful nature of the bug and the bus during the, the Woodstock era. So that the legacy is... Uh, probably unlike any other vehicle, from from horrible things from Mr. Hitler to to the wonderful nature of free yeah. love and music, and it's it's just so yeah. uh, far apart. I mean, it eventually did. Be, that's that, that's one of the, the fascinating things about it. It, it, it you know, in about twenty years after it was first um, conceived and, and, and launched, just before the war, it became the, started to become this sort of democratic car. Yes, and it did bring car ownership uh, to to a, a huge group of people, and it happened again in um, in its sort of in the in the both the bus second life in Mexico and Brazil when it finished production in Germany in 1978. Um, it, it was transported across, you know, the the press were transported across to Mexico and Brazil, and it started it it became genuinely uh, another car of the people for, for South America. Yes. Um, two, two things come to mind, um, both in the history of the vehicle, both vehicles, is that uh, Bruce and I have gone through the years to, you know, some of the audio, auto shows and auctions um, on the Monterey Peninsula uh, here in California. And I think the first year that we went, we came across a, a father and son who had a uh, Volkswagen. It was painted that uh, dull gray. The, it was original paint, had split window. I forgot. Maybe it was a f 39 or a 40, something like that. And, and this guy, I remember him telling us that 
They found the car in Germany, and when they went to take it out of Germany, um, the authorities there looked up the serial number of the car, and they were hesitant to let them take the car out of the country because it was one of the original um, Hitler lieutenant's cars, I think, at some point. So that was one one story. And then the other one, uh, a few years later, we saw at an, an auction in Monterey, one of either the 21 or 23 window bus and it was going for a hundred thousand dollars so i mean the 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 history and the value of some of these cars is getting uh, i never thought that when i bought a car for five hundred dollars in as a teenager volkswagen 62 volkswagen that all these years later people would be paying an astronomical amounts of money for them so the history has just kind of gone through the roof with pricing on the vehicles as well yeah, that, that's an amazing thing, especially with the prices of the bus. And that's uh, that's comparatively recently. Um, and it's amazing that it's it will come from a car which originally was kind of throw away. Yes. I mean, they lasted a long time. They lasted well. They were well built. But there were so many of them around. You know, when you when your bug or your bus had had enough, you took the engine out and you put it in a dune buggy. <laughs> that's um, right. and so they were all these sort of dead dead beetles and buses littering the landscape and 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 from millions and millions of them built uh and now the 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 bus especially has become this absolute you know priceless collector's item for sure yeah they were throwaway cars i'll agree with that (laughs) (laughs) they they did litter the landscape Can you talk? Can you talk to us about the uh, movie and TV appearances? That's kind of a. I actually I saw uh, some of your book and uh, the pictures are amazing. I love all those old pictures. But you have pictures of you know various movies and TV appearances. They're even in the the iconic uh, chase film Bullet. There's a VW that the our, the heroes pass Steve yeah. McQueen pass several times. I guess it's the same <laughs> shot, various uh, camera angles. Yeah, um, I mean, I've tried to touch on it uh, as much as I can, and I can't claim that it's a definitive list. But I've looked at how how the Beetle and the Bus started off being represented in films uh, and TV, uh, and it's and it's, that as well has changed through time. Um, in the in the 60s, it was just in the background; it was just sort of pottering around. And if if a character arrived in a bus or a or a Beetle, it didn't mean anything. Particular, it was just you know a bit of modest transport, um, and certainly in um, in uh, the sort of British TV series that we used to have in the sixties, like like the Saint or the Avenger. Oh, they were, were they were great. Yeah, I know that <laughs> they one. were great. Which were all shot at the uh, studios. If you wanted to say this is oh here's East Berlin, you've got a you've got a Volkswagen, and then you put German plates on it and let it chug past in the background. Uh, so they they were just background for 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 a while for six for the sixties. But when you know the the Woodstock era started started at the end of the sixties, they were the hippie bus. Every time you wanted to show somebody being a bit hippie, um, you did that. Then of course the Herbie films came along in in the in, in the late sixties through into the mid seventies, and then the the car became a character in its own right, not not just a piece of scenery. Uh, and then I looked at how to my eyes, um, you you started to use a, a beetle to signify, to make the audience think something about the character who was driving it. Um, and on the whole, um, if you wanted if you wanted the audience to like your character, you put them in a beetle. You thought, oh, you know, he's he's a good guy, he's a good girl. Um, <laughs> they're driving a nice 
they're driving a nice friendly kind of car they don't they don't they don't mean trouble they're kind of modest they're nice people um and often there, there seems to be a trend to um uh, to put in characters in in beatles who you know then had um horrible things happening to them like suddenly kidnapped or suddenly went into a haunted house or something yes and then it's and then it's come right through into right through into a tv series now i I think there were there was a, a a bus that appeared a lot, a lot in um, Lost. You That's know, the right. Series were all uh, marooned on the, on this strange island, and and that was a parable for the reliability of Volkswagens, which had come through time. Um, because this this bus, which was covered in undergrowth, they managed to just get it going after probably decades hiding in a forest. Yes. Um, so there's there's all these references like that. Um, I, I think also uh, the what you're saying just reiterates a point to me that for for a car who had such a um, well an awful connotation, considering who commissioned them to being a friendly car, <laughs> a friendly face in a movie that that uh, dichotomy is just <laughs> almost hard to grasp onto. But uh, but it's exa- you're exactly right. If you have a friendly character in an animated film, why not put him in a bug <laughs> or a beetle? It makes a lot of sense, yeah. but the background just is, is, is horrible. Oh, I know it's uh, and it's amazing how the the design sort of shed shed that meaning pretty early on. And you know, certainly in Britain in the nineteen fifties, it was really sensitive. Yes, um, as you can imagine. And and the and the Beatles, the the first Beatles that were imported into, they didn't allow German cars to be imported into the UK until nineteen fifty three. Mm. Um, and then if you bought a German car in the 1950s, you were taking a bit of a risk. Is that right? Um, wow. Yeah. That you'd get, you know, the neighbors would be quite nasty to you. And <laughs> some of the early, early Beatles that got, that got delivered to the, the docks in England were vandalized by the, by the, by the um, people who worked at the docks. So, so Volkswagen had to hire their own boat and, the, and, and rent their own dock um, in, in England, um, in, in nearer London. So yeah, it 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 was amazing how it, it, I guess how the the power of the design and its reliability and its um, utility just overcame that that negative connotation. Wow, Russell, maybe you can tell us why everybody always asks me about the terrible heating and uh, ventilation and defrosters on those things. Can you tell us why? Uh the uh, Porsche twins never developed a decent heater. <laughs> well, we that, figure the Germans just must—they must bundle up a lot over there, and they have a lot of rags to, to wipe the front windshield down. They tried as hard as they could, but they never could quite get it right. No, they um, didn't, because the air had to be um, ducted over around the uh, the shrouding around the engine in the rear. And, um, and Volkswagen always had to point out to people that um, it wasn't exhaust fumes. People perceived it know, because it's, yes. <laughs> it used to sometimes smell a little bit oily uh, because it was just <laughs> cut near, near a hot engine and people thought, oh, no, I'm being gassed. Um, but um, they never quite got it right. And that was one of the things that the, the Germans said in um, when the Volkswagen Golf and the, the front wheel, you know, the water-cooled front-wheel drive Volkswagen, the Golf and the Passat were... were launched in the 1970s um the germans said well we've got proper heating finally we've got proper heating so you know they never never could quite get it right there 
No, and and it was another funny thing where they put the uh, battery under the back seat, which I guess they did for probably to keep the battery warmer in the cold, cold yeah, evenings. And it, uh, but and it, boy, it, it's not a very good spot to have a battery. No, and I think if, if you've got rust in your floor pan, you yep. could just be um, it could just fall out. You could trail your battery on the highway with you. Yep, <laughs> that's right. You can lose that thing. Um, Russell, going in a different direction a little bit. I'm always, we've talked to several authors um, on our podcast through the last three years or so, and what always interests me is in a in a topic that's so rich uh, with information and um, the history and so forth. Uh, as a veteran author, uh, do you put uh, three by five cards up on a bulletin board, and could you have to kind of whittle down? You know, how are you going to condense, you know, so much information um, into a book? So I guess what I'm really asking is, is your particular process. I mean, I've been a journalist for a long time, but um, usually it's to write a magazine piece or a newspaper article or a news service piece, and you kind of know going in what your parameters are. With a book, it just seems to be um, a much different undertaking. So would you mind sharing your, your process as an author, how, how you approach a book? Yeah, I guess, it, I guess it's kind of different for every author, and I hope, I hope I'm pretty organized. Um, but uh, I'll start off with my synopsis, um, with what I think would, would be in every chapter, um, how the whole thing is going to flow, just a big sort of big sort of chapter list and, 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 a, and, a, and a sort of paragraph on each chapter, um, and, then, and then start piecing together what I'm going to need from there. Um, and sometimes I'll go into, and do interviews for my book, so I'll have a sort of hit list of people who I, I need to contact and interview and when they might be available um i see what i've already got um got a little bit of a back catalogue now uh and um i've got a fairly extensive library at home with with car magazines and um old references and things like that so yeah i start piecing together things from notes first of all um usually chapter by chapter i i like to go chronologically um so you know i'll I'll start at the beginning and then i'll I'll spend a quite a concentrated period of time working on the first chapter notes interviews archive material bring it all together see if a a, a flow starts going yes normally um and at the same time you're I'm, i'm i'm finding stuff for later chapters so i'm sort of tucking that away in 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 cross referencing to to later in the book so i can um yeah and i do use lots of sticky post-its yeah i mean they're they're one of my they are one of my favorite things post-its yes um oh just away from volkswagen for a minute um i looked briefly at uh, on amazon of course uh your other books um just to cover that base what other car topics have you have you written on uh through the years my my first book was on the history of lotus uh, and then I covered the history of TVR, a um, bit more of an obscure make. Um, and then I was asked to do a history of the Ford Cortina. Yes. Which was which was great fun. Um, and after that, I noticed it was a book I suggested. I noticed that the Volkswagen Golf was coming up for its 40th anniversary, and nobody appeared to, th- to have thought to do a book. So. Um, that was that was the next book, um, which I've I've just updated actually, which is going to be uh, out with an updated edition next year. Great. Uh, and then um, 
another project which I thought merited attention was the um, history of the Earl's Court Motor Show. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, the Earl's Court Exhibition Centre that was the, the mecca for car British car buyers and, and, and fans Sorry, no. for decades. That sounds very it's, dignified it, it, for a car show. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it was a... It was a Art Deco building of the um, designed in the 1930s in yes. an area of West London <coughs> called Earl's Court, and it was a real architectural gem. Uh, and it was designed by an American guy who uh, actually um, designed cinemas, and he uh, he had to um, come to the UK to find work during the Depression. So he he designed this fantastic exhibition centre, and um, it had a swimming pool in the in the basement. Which, which which can lower down and you can have boat shows in it and and the first car show um after the war was held in this earl's court motor show and i noticed it was um it was being knocked down the building was being knocked down three years ago so it was just going to be erased so i managed to get archive archive of all the construction and the and then i covered the show year by year you know the event the all the cars of the shows up until 1977, when it went to a new exhibition centre. So that was one of my favourite projects. Yes. Uh, and then I was asked to write a book on the Aston Martin V8. Oh, uh, now you're talking. The, the classic V8 from 69 to 2000. Uh, so that was on every car that had that, every Aston Martin, and the Lagondas that had that engine. Um and I did a lot of interviews. It was a, also a history about the company at that time because it was going through all sorts of turmoil. It went bust several times. Um, it was always in danger of running out of money completely. Yes. Uh, so uh, that was a real challenge, but um, that was a, that was a, that was a great thing. And then th this this project came along, this Volkswagen project, and um, I've got a couple more on the go at the moment. Considering all those topics and all the cars that you. Uh vehicles and history and all the things that you've written about um putting you on the spot do you own any of those vehicles that you've written about i once had a part share in a camper van <laughs> okay <you> fantastic <laughs> okay oh i was thinking russell uh everybody wants to know how many people can you put in a vw bug oh well there's it i actually have the answer yeah, it depends on how you define in. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Great, great. I love it. I guess uh, I, I saw... I think, it's about, I think it's about 55 or something. Wow. Okay, you saw a different article than I did. I saw... Well, I thought it was the one in your book. It uh, showed 20 people packed. I'll have, I think... So. Well, that's... Hang on a minute. I, I have to look it up. Um, but uh, that, Those are the things you should know. That's why we're yeah, talking to you now. We're, Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, you see, I can only retain so much. At, there you go. I've got the picture in front of it. I can only retain so much at the same time. I thought that sure. was in, it, it was done in 2010. The uh, one of the yeah. was it Guinness or one of those books certified it. Oh, okay. I thought that was pretty fun. That's a good. That's good. Bruce should be on Jeopardy, I think, and you'd have a. While you're looking that up. <laughs> um, I also had a, a, a thing to share with you. I'm looking at a 1959 Popular Mechanics, and on the cover of that Popular Mechanics is a red VW. And the, the article, why it's in the book, is because uh, somebody created a sort of a pocket or portable ski lift, and uh, it's attached to a VW. 
and it claims to pull 150 skiers an hour up a hill. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hooked Bruce. to the back wheels. It looks like it's a it's an oval window, so like a what a 57. Well, that, that engine that engine was so versatile, and and Volkswagen um, set up an entire division just manufacturing um, those air cooled engines for. Um, uh, motorboats and they also there was a, quite a popular air, a light aircraft which used them as well you know living living in uh, northern california uh we're not too far away a few hours from santa cruz where you know a lot of volkswagens whether it was the beetle or the, the van um <coughs> were used by surfers and i read an article lately it might have been in Haggerty's or one of the car publications about millennials now um spending more money to find a hatchback, um, the Volkswagen hatchbacks. It had, you know, automatic shifters, right, at one point. Uh, squareback, I guess they called them, hatchback, squareback. And uh, I wondered if maybe there was some other Volkswagens away from the Beetle and the bus that might be on the horizon for you because I'd love to have an old, old Volkswagen squareback. They're hard to find. <laughs> the prices are going up. Um, are you fond of those? And, and maybe there's a whole other Volkswagen book out there for you. Or am I uh, infringing on some uh, private discussions now? Well, I, I, t- I tell you one thing I'd quite like to do is I'd like to do a book on Volkswagen prototypes. Oh, okay. Because they they created all these, you know, they, there's a photograph of some of them in, in, in the book in, in the 1960s when they were looking around. They, they couldn't really know how to get out of making cars like Beetles. So they they actually put together 67 different um, prototypes, all with rear engines, beetle engines, um, or bod- new body shapes just to try and get out of it. Um, and there was also a a huge saloon, which was going to be like a Mercedes, and that also had a rear engine. So <clears throat> I'd quite like to do a book on the Volkswagens that were, that were never built. Oh, that would be a great book, sure. Um. Yeah. They never figured out the uh, heaters, and they never figured out how to put horsepower on them, did they? <laughs> Not really, no, no. <laughs> unless, unless, you, unless you're looking at the uh, the uh, the new Beetle that was based on sure, the Golf, sure. Yeah, um, but the old, the air cooled. Russell, uh, since you have such a vast knowledge of these uh, vintage cars and how they were created, do you have an opinion about what Volkswagen will do, or if it will succeed in the? electric vehicle world and what are your thoughts on um the wave of the future which is you know now upon us pretty quickly it's it's very interesting how they've put such an immense amount of resources into the into the electric cars into the id series um and it's interesting where the gulf this is something i've, I've looked at in, in the update to my new book is is some where the Golf will sit in the family now, um, because they ha- Volkswagen has said they'll stop making um, combustion engine cars by I think um, twenty thirty, and that's not so far oh, away. Oh really? I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Uh, so this, you know, is this going to be the last ever Volkswagen Golf, or is the new electric, the next generation of the electric car, going to be called the electric Golf? Because they they stopped making the um, <coughs> electric Golf in the new series so um it'll be interesting to see where it goes but i guess if anybody can sort of force the market by sheer numbers um it it would be somebody like volkswagen uh but also of course you have to have the 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 charging infrastructure for the electric vehicles 
Yes. How is that going over there in uh, England? It's kind of it's kind of patchy because um, I think people find that a lot, a lot of the charging points don't work when they get to them. They don't talk to each other. Um, they're owned by different companies. It's not really very joined up. And um, I mean, if if you live in an apartment like I do. Uh, and you have to park your car on the street. You can't have an electric car. That's it, because you've got no, you've got no means of plugging it in anywhere. Even at work, the workplaces don't have uh, charging stations. Some of them do, but but a lot of people don't drive their cars to work. Sure, they, they because you know there isn't there isn't the space or there isn't the parking available. Um, so um, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be a bit. Uh, you're still a bit of a pioneer in Britain if you've got an electric car. Is it your hope, Russell, uh, that Volkswagen will change its mind again and make Beatles again? I'm kind of. I don't. I don't know whether the time has passed. Yes. To to make another Beetle because. They were asked about this a few years ago when the when the the new ID Buzz, which is going to be the the, the electric bus, came mm-hmm. out and clearly looked sort of retro, um, and they said no, that chapter's that chapter's closed now for us. I think they they really want to draw a line under the Beatle era, not in a, a hostile kind of way, but in a kind of yeah, okay, this is this is it. It's been great this is the next phase of where we want to be yes and it, they they ran this advertising campaign in the, in the, in the i think just in the states um at the uh, on new year's 2019 where they had an animation where a, a volkswagen beetle and a, and a man grew older together oh and, i don't think i saw that the, how sweet and at, and at the end of his life or the end of the road um he saw wind turbines and an electric Volkswagen and it was definitely as if Volkswagen was saying that era has now passed oh boy okay I'll have to so go find that on the internet it sounds poignant you know for a commercial it sounds pretty deep <laughs> it, is, it, it, it is a little animation it's very sweet yes yeah. very sweet um Russell, how about in the other areas of, uh, I was just thinking about Volkswagen, uh, the, I don't know much about the business of Volkswagen, but they have ownership in other car companies, um, they're uh, involved in many different areas of the automotive space in, in other ways, um, so what are, what are your uh, thoughts on, is Volkswagen, I don't know really the right word to say, is it, is it, has it diluted itself so that they can't quite focus on what they're doing, uh, or is Volkswagen still Volkswagen and they can do everything at once? It just seems like the company is so vast now. True, it is, it is vast. Um, but uh, what I think, you know, they've been very clever with is they've been the the sheer economies of scale that they managed to achieve. If they because so many other parts are shared, um, like the the Volkswagen Golf, for example, underneath. Um, it'll it'll provide it'll provide the basis of the Audi A3 as it has done for a long time, and the, and there's a, a the Spanish car which is not I don't think sold in the states called the Seat Leon, um, and also the uh, the the mini SUVs, uh, and they can spread the cost of their technology um, across so many models. 
so that they can bring you better features so that the, the new golf has more um, connectivity and more more features such as um, uh, more ad- adaptive cruise control um, so um, I think they've they've been very good at, at, at presenting products to every conceivable market but underneath um, with the bits that you can't see spreading the cost so wide that that they can offer something special for each one. Although I did hear that they might be um, looking to offlo- offload Bugatti. That might, oh yes, I did read about that. Yes, that might that might be the you know the first step. But uh, they have done hugely well with Porsche, so I think they'll probably hang on to Porsche. The VW was that V uh, the W twelve motor was that yes. theirs? Yeah, they never got much much out of that, did they? A few cars yeah, had that- it. That was in the uh, the Phaeton, and then it went in the first Bentley Bentley GTs, I think. Um, and I think they I think they moved on from that. Um, but of course, these these big sort of multi-cylinder engines now they're all getting smaller. You know, the, sure. the V8s are going to V6s, uh, and the the V12s are probably going to go pretty soon. I would think. Yep, turbos are getting pretty darn. Uh, they've got them sorted out. Russell, uh, we would love to spend um, the rest of your evening with us. Uh, with we'd love to spend your evening with with us here in Sacramento. <laughs> We're still in the morning, but we'll. Uh, this is probably a good place to to call it a podcast episode, and uh, we want to f- encourage people to. Um, I think the book is uh, slated for its uh, publication dates in early October. Is that correct? Yeah, October the sixth. October the sixth. I, I noticed. Can I give that, you the name? Go ahead. Yes. Uh, it's called. Uh, Beatles and buses, smaller and smarter. That's it. And um, I'm sure uh, people are aware of Amazon. It's probably available in all the other places where you can buy uh, books these days. And when I looked at Amazon, I think, you know, there was a nice presentation of your other books. So we encourage people to uh, go find our guest on Amazon and, and purchase his books. And um, Great pictures. Though. Great pictures. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where you want to, you will look for a few minutes, and then an hour goes by because <laughs> you're so fascinated by it. At least I was. So, uh, Russell, thank you so much for um, taking your a part of your evening to spend with us on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Um, we very much appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.